quick questions about Congress with Kilmer. Hi, this is Representative Derek Kilmer from Washington State's 6th District, welcoming you back after a long hiatus uh, to my podcast called Quick Questions About Congress with Kilmer. Uh, today, I'm sitting down with Representative Tom Graves from Georgia's 14th Congressional District. Tom, tell me, what is Georgia's 14th District? What, what, are, the, what are the boundaries and what's the district like? Derek, uh, man, it's awesome to be with you on a podcast. This Indeed. is pretty. So, you told me that you've been doing this now four years, and uh, I just now get invited. That's uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I I'm appreciate sorry. that. I'm That's, working my maid generic uh, uh, numerically through the Georgia districts. It just took me a while to get to 14. <laughs> yeah, well, I would have loved to heard some of the other ones. I'm sure they were good. Uh, no, the 14th is a. It's an awesome, awesome district, uh, and I and I know we all really love our districts, but it's Northwest Georgia. It's Metro Atlanta, sort of. North Metro Atlanta, all the way to Tennessee, and borders Alabama. Uh, it would be considered uh, mountains, uh, as well as uh, a little bit of suburban, um, heavy textile manufacturing, agriculture. Uh, just a wonderful, um, spirited people. Uh, very independent. Did district. you grow up in your district? I grew up uh, very close, just miles from where my district is. Uh-huh. Um, you know how our lines are all comprised and such. Uh, so I grew up very close in in the very same vicinity, but uh, it's, it's a really neat place. Now, it's, it's maybe the 10th most Republican district in the country, yeah. uh, and, uh, but yet uh, a, a reasonable Republican district. You know, they, they pretty much go with government staying out of their lives. They, they understand there's a role for government, all, all this, but uh, um, they uh, just, just good folks, work hard, good, good working folks. If I, if I took my family on vacation to Georgia's 14th district, what would I see? Uh, you would what would see, I go do in your district? Well, first of all, you would experience Southern hospitality, mm. and it's just, you know, which is is unique to the South. Um, um, slow talking, uh, slow pace of life, you know, easy going, um, good food, a lot of fried food. Yeah. Uh, you can get anything fried in in uh, North Georgia. It sounds like my uh, place. Yeah, some boiled peanuts if you like, some uh, pork rinds, you know, whatever you like, whatever you like, they have it. Um, but you you know you could go camping in the mountains. You could obviously go fishing. You trout fishing. You could hunt. Uh, a lot of a lot of sports activities. Um, um, you know you have uh, Cloudland Canyon, uh, which is a, a neat gorge. It's a, it's almost like a mini Grand Canyon cool. in North Georgia. A lot of rock climbing goes on in the northwestern part of the state. Um, but uh, it, it's just a real outdoors type um, area. But you know one thing Georgia's known for. Uh, you know, now, I mean, they're number one in the country for movie production. That's right. So you actually yeah. get a lot of filming going on in our district. A lot of movie uh, um, is, is filmed and something close to where I grew up, actually. I mean, the Ozarks is filmed on the lake that I oh, grew up on and, well. you know, stuff like that. So there's you might even come across some actors up there. Interesting. Um, so you were uh, tell tell me about life before Congress. What what did you do before coming here? And yeah, so uh, you know, I grew up nearby. I grew up uh, uh, simple means in a single wide trailer out in the middle of nowhere, out in the mountains, um, uh, apolitical, and uh, just sort of uh, slogged my way through life. Uh, had, you know, my parents loved me, cared for me, um, but uh, we didn't have the wealth that many people think politicians come from and such. So uh, I, I worked and begged and borrowed my way through uh, college and went to the University of Georgia, a degree in finance, and uh, ultimately uh, um, purchased a landscaping company and then grew it and developed it and then transitioned to real estate. So I was a real estate developer, investor, 
prior to coming to Congress, but also served in the Georgia General Assembly, elected in 2002 there. And that was my first run for office, first elected office, uh, just a small business owner scrapping along in life with a young family and uh, just want to make a difference. So what led to the run for Congress? Uh, I had no intentions, no plans to ever run for Congress. I, I think this, when I was sworn in, I was sworn in in a special election, I think that might have been the second time I'd ever been to Washington, D.C. Uh, and uh, But really what led to it is I'd been in the General Assembly. I was going into my fourth term, my eighth year, and uh, I had decided I wasn't going to run for re-election. I hadn't really told anybody that. I just wasn't planning on running for re-election. And then our congressman at the time, Nathan Deal, announced he was going to run for governor. And uh, which really caught everybody by surprise. Uh, he had served here for, I think it was in his 16th year, and um, decided he wanted to run for governor. And ultimately, he was successful in that. But that created an open seat that was very, very competitive. Um, it went through, uh, myself personally, four elections within 91 days with Goodness 17 gosh. names on the ballot. Wow. And uh, so we had a special, a special runoff, a primary and a runoff, and, uh, and then a general at some point uh, after that. And you know, I happen to be successful. It's a big decision, though, to run for Congress. I'm curious what, you know, what uh, was there a specific mm. issue or appeal to you of coming to this crazy town? Or? Well, if you, you know, you, you turn back the time machine, you think about where we were in 2009 and 10. Barack Obama, newly elected president. Uh, you had a lot of uh, Tea Party movement had developed. Um, and I would say that Georgia might have been one of those epicenters of it mm-hmm. as well, Atlanta. And so there was just a stir amongst, I think, a lot of members. I mean, you recall that year, that cycle, um, uh, the Republicans won the majority with, you know, 80-something new members being elected. There was just a, a, a spirited surge across the country. And I, and I guess I, I happen to be, you know, spirited at that time as well and it was you know really about just uh you know i'd say what encouraged me were just friends calling me you Mm -hmm. know saying hey i hope you'll run i hope you'll consider this you know just a lot of friends and supporters members from the general assembly saying you know you're the type of voice we need up there somebody that's a conservative uh but knows how to get things done who understands you know has a principle set and understands the difference between principles and preferences um, and we'll go and, and, and fight based on principle, but understand you can no- negotiate preferences, and, and that's sort of how we, we work through that process. But it was a different time then. I, I don't know if you recall that, that period. It's before I got here. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I only know it from afar. Um, you know, one interesting note of that period, uh, you'll recall there was a Tea Party gathering at the Capitol. I think it was in 2009. Yeah, it was 2009, where nearly a million people from around the country gathered. I was the only state elected official invited to speak that day in front of that audience, obviously the largest audience I've ever spoken in front of. And uh, it was a pretty moving time. That was uh, really, really, uh, you know, fascinating period to go through. When you got here, uh, what was your take? How did you find it? How, how, how have you found it here? So, uh, you know, had a special election, so I came in in the minority. Nancy Pelosi was speaker uh, at the time, served six months there, and then went into the majority. Um, you know what I found? I had always heard, you come to Congress, you got to sit on the back bench, wait your time, kid, and one day you'll grow up and you can, you can participate. Um, that was not the experience that I had. Uh, it was, hey, you're here, you're an important part of this team, uh, and I'm speaking obviously from the Republican side, Get involved, get engaged, find out what is the issue set you like, become an expert on it, and, and, and 
be a leader on it and uh, don't wait. Mm-hmm. We need you now. And that that really that, that surprised me. And I, I mean, in a positive way, I was I was really excited about that. So I've been engaged, obviously, been on the Appropriations Committee yeah. since day one, in essence. It's really majority. unusual. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was a subcommittee chair within four years uh, in appropriations. You're on the same committee. You know how, how difficult that is. Um, but it was about just get in a lane and work it and become become the best you can at it. What was the lane for you? What, what, were there particular issues that you were like, this is where I'm going to develop my expertise? Or? Two, two areas. One was fiscal uh, responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, which I know something is important to you as well. And then uh, cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm really um, deep into that issue and, uh, and, and, and proposing new concepts on that, how you can be actively engaged in cyber defense and not in a passive environment. And what are the challenges we face as a country and what are some innovative ideas to uh, defend our networks and such and defend the private sector and, and individuals as well as the governmental infrastructure. But uh, I would say it's yeah, fiscal conservatism, responsibility, and as well as cybersecurity. Um, when you got here, uh, you, you know, you and I now are tag team partners on uh, this committee to modernize Congress or look at, at reform. I'm curious uh, if if you could change anything about Congress, what would it be? <laughs> oh, you may not like this. Oh, if there was one thing I could change, it's 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 more of a personal reflection mm-hmm. that maybe I shouldn't wish it upon everyone. Would be a requirement that if if you're elected to serve in Congress, uh, you're required to move to Washington D.C. and mm-hmm. domicile there. That may sound crazy, and my district may throw me out because I've said that. But I have noticed that there is a, a, a tremendous lack of relationship development that occurs, Republican and Democrat, Republican, Republican, Democrat, Democrat, because we are in and out, in and out all the time. I commute every week. I fly back and forth each week. You, I know, probably do the same thing. It's even more challenging. But because of that, you don't get the opportunity to develop relationships with your coworkers. You don't, your, your families don't get a chance to integrate and get to know one another. And so when you see the lack of civility and, and um, the, the spirited debates that get too personal, I think it's because people really don't know each other. Mm-hmm. They don't have that opportunity. And, uh, you know, so I, my family has been back in Georgia for now my nine years of serving here. Uh, my kids have grown up, um, you know, in, with, in essence, a single mom at home and a dad that comes, every, you know, is home half, half the year. You experience the same thing. So uh, that would be the one thing I would change if I could. And I know that's not a change that will occur and it necessarily shouldn't be mandated. But uh, that would have been a personal decision I wish I could have done. But um, do, uh, do you see that as the main difference between uh, Congress and uh, the Georgia State Assembly that you came out of? I think it, it it's definitely a big difference, yeah. And it's one thing I think could really benefit this place is if members, and you're really intentional about getting to know members of the other side and, and members even in your own party that may disagree with you on things. If we're not intentional, and it's hard to in this come-and-go environment um, where we serve on one committee and those are the only people you work with, but you still really don't get to know them, and then you have all that, you have 430 other members somewhere else, I think it would do us all well to get to know each other and, and know we may have different ideas and different perspectives, but we're still individuals and we deserve to be respected and, and, uh, and heard mm-hmm. um, and, and 
and uh, I think it eliminates personal attacks when you know somebody in a personal way. Is there anything when you got here that you found particularly surprising or that you think that your constituents or my constituents who might listen to this <laughs> would, would find? Or, and, and, and actually, let me, let, me, let me ask that in two ways. One, anything you found surprising, and two, anything you wish people knew about this place that they don't? Anything surprising? Well, there's a lot of surprises in this place. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised at how difficult it is to get anything done. You know, in the general assemblies, you can generally work out an outcome, and you can do it in a bipartisan way. Uh, it is really, really challenging. And maybe it's a good thing that it's difficult, but it uh, it takes time. Take the cyber issue. We've been working this active cyber defense concept for a couple of years now because it takes time to educate and and develop a concept and get buy-in across a broader group so it just takes time um you know but uh i i I like to tell constituents when i go home and i speak to groups is that what you see on tv is not necessarily an accurate depiction of the of the of the uh connecting of members or how they work together in fact, it's just not newsworthy when people get along, when they agree on things, and when there is a bipartisan amendment or a bipartisan bill that passes, it just sort of gets pushed to the side. Um, so I, I wish really more of our constituents could see how well you work with other members of the other side, how how well you listen to maybe thoughts or ideas I have, and, and you help craft and redirect it or and shape it in a way that you can have agreement to it. Um, that's just something that's not seen as much as, as we know exists here. Yeah, and we're <clears throat> uh, Tom is my partner on the Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress. I think we're trying to work through some of these issues uh, together as a committee. I mean, you um, you enlisted in this cause. You uh, expressed an interest to your leadership in in, um, in being vice chair of this committee. I'm curious what drew you to to, to that. Uh, assignment. <laughs> well, um, a little known secret. Here. I mean, it is. A, I guess I'm gonna let it out here on this podcast. But you know, I turned it down first. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. So Kevin McCarthy asked me to do this, and initially I said no. Uh, I, I, I was like, yeah, I don't have any interest in being a part of something that's not going to do anything. You know, I don't need another job, another title, uh, more busy work. And he. He was like, no, you have no idea. This is real. This is serious. We have to fix this place. And this is the one thing that uh, me and, and, and you know, Speaker Pelosi and others really want to see get done. And this is not just some fake committee out there. He had to sell me on it yeah. because you and I know how sometimes, well, they, you know, Congress will create something to, you know, to have this perception that, oh, yeah, we're going to fix this. And here's a shiny object over here. Now go watch them. He had to he had to sell me on it and right. say no we're serious about this and yeah. we want you to go and tackle these tough tough concepts and uh, so that's ultimately what drew me to it was um, one knowing that you were going to be uh, at the helm and and, and chairing it because obviously uh, you and I talked about that beforehand and then two that it was going to be real I, I you know you and I both don't want to waste our time spin our wheels we've got a lot of other things we could be doing sure. And uh, and and he sold me on it and said, "No, this is this is serious. Let's oh, go do it." I'm going to go speed round because I promised you I'd keep you under 15 minutes, and I've already gone longer <laughs> than that. As Southerners, we take a little more time. Yeah, we talk a little slower. You're right. The slow talking. <laughs> um, curious, your proudest moment here? Oh, proudest moment, proudest moment. I tell you what, I, I 
one of the one of the things that really bring me joy in our job is two right now uh, is our academy appointments. Yeah. When calling those those students who have worked hard and their nomination is now turned into an acceptance and calling them on their personal cell phone while they're at school or wherever they might be in that day and having that exchange of disbelief and excitement is, is really, really awesome. That's one of my favorite parts of the job. And then second, we do a youth um, leadership summit each year. And we've been, I think this is our sixth year coming up and bring in juniors and seniors from all across our district. And last year we had just under 600 that were sent by their schools that were selected for whatever, under whatever criteria the school wanted to send students. Because somebody saw something in these kids that was a little different, that they they had a little attribute about them, that they're, they they need to be inspired and motivated because they're going to do big things. And look, our district is not a wealthy district in any way. It's a very, very simple, um, simple mean, humble district. And to have five to 600 students that are there just being motivated and inspired to go do something bigger and better than they ever could have imagined and to then hear from them we bring back alumni from previous years to come speak to the next group and to hear their stories that's cool that's a great uh, idea. is is really pretty cool so investing in that has been awesome that's awesome i love making those academy calls i, I called a kid this year and he was on his high school <laughs> wrestling team's trip on the bus and when i called him the entire bus exploded <laughs> in applause it was really great so yeah. um Okay, uh, final two questions. Um, so when Congress gavels down on a Friday at, you know, 1 o'clock, what, what's your commute home? What, what's it like? Where do you go? How long does it take you to get? Oh, yeah. So uh, within four hours and 45 minutes, I'm door to door. I can be home. So from walking out of the Capitol to getting to uh, Reagan International on a Delta flight that goes to Atlanta every hour and a half or so, and, and, um, and then about an hour and 40-minute commute to the house, to the north, and to the nice, easy, relaxing, uh, depressurized mountains of North Georgia. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, that is not enough time to uh, watch a full movie on the on the plane. That's correct. An hour and 15, hour and 20 minute flight. So I see a lot of, uh, I never see the ends of movies, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that leads to my final question. And I ask this entirely because my first job was... Um, Working in a video store, I worked <laughs> at Westside Video in Port Angeles, Washington. VHS. Uh, I we um, it 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 consistently pains me that my kids don't even know <laughs> what the words "be kind, please rewind" even mean. <laughs> but um, yeah. so I always like to end by just getting a sense of not necessarily your favorite movie, but if there's you know two or three that you say like that's just you know that's on the Tom Graves uh, mm-hmm. movie Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Oh, my all-time favorite. <laughs> and this is sort of funny. It's Smokey and the Bandit. I, I am a. You really are a southerner. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Smokey and the Bandit fan. It just the, yeah. It actually filmed in Georgia back in the day in the '70s, and uh, that's always been one of my favorites. And it's sort of maybe it's because, and we actually play this as a, a little bit of a walkout song for the kids when we do the Youth Leadership Summit, is because you know the song, you know, which is sung by Jerry Reed, is uh, we're going to do what they say can't be done. Fantastic. That's right. There's no better way to end this podcast than with that. Thanks for joining me. Tom Graves from Georgia's 14th.